it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The WTF1 Post Race Podcast. The races are coming thick and fast over the next couple of months, and we're straight into building up for the British Grand Prix. But first, we have to digest what went down in Austria for the ninth race of the season. Now, usually alongside myself, Harry Benjamin, Callan O'Keefe would be here, but he's seen this one out and uh, it's been a really tough weekend for him and the whole motorsport world too. Callum was working closely with Delano van der Hoff, the 18-year-old Dutch racer who sadly passed away after an incident in the Formula Regional race at Spa over the weekend. So all our thoughts uh, with Delano, Callan and those who have been uh, greatly affected by this. However, we are all races at heart so the best way of honoring those no longer with us is to continue with the sport we all love and to do that with me this week uh very pleased to be joined by f1 content creator antonia rankin and host of the red bull racing f1 podcast talking bull nicola hume thank you very much both and hello um actually before we get into the nitty-gritty how would you sum up the austrian grand prix antonia you go first give me a line give me a word give me a sentence something Oh, I think there was just as much action after the race as there was during the race, wasn't Ooh, there? Yeah, good. Nicola? I, mean, I was basically going to say exactly the same thing. Yeah, it was yeah, a race, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then there was the aftermath. Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably go with the sprint race was probably the best part of it. Ooh, good point. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would go with. Anyway, well, let's get into that then. Um, so, I mean, the highlight is probably Esteban Ocon got how many penalties? But pretty much everybody got a penalty. What was it, over... 1200 uh violations 12 penalties were handed out post race at one point the stewards were uh, the race control were 20 laps behind during the race <laughs> on on monitoring track limits and you know we could laugh and have a giggle at it but it is it's a bit embarrassing right like antonio f1 doesn't look great in this light we've had results changed after the checkered flag before it's not something new in f1 but it seems that in austria it's on another level no, it felt reactive, disorganized, frankly, unprofessional from the F FIA. I mean, reacting to that extent after the race and whacking most of the drivers on the grid with penalties. It's embarrassing. It shows that you don't have control over your own race. You, we shouldn't be taking positions away from drivers hours after the race is finished. It's unacceptable. And it's... See going back to them being reactive it was only when drivers started going during the race oh this guy he's just gone over track limits you should really look at that and then the FIA kicked into gear it just felt really poorly organized and frankly I don't know how they didn't see it coming after 47 deleted laps in quali on Friday I mean I mean I mean you can't really come back at that can you but <laughs> <laughs> you sum it up pretty well but then I suppose how Nicola, how did we solve it? What what what's what's the what's the resolution here? You know, there's talk of oh, do we bring gravel traps closer? Do we have sensors that you know as soon as you, as soon as four wheels are over the line, ping, it's all automated. And in other sports like tennis or, or cricket, you know, in in the moment you can see in tennis, it's Wimbledon right now. You have Hawkeye, and in that moment you have a graphic which shows to everybody in in the stands if the ball is out, it is out then and there, proven. 
do we need something like that in F1? Yes and no. I mean, it will make it extremely difficult. I mean, bear in mind, you've got 20 drivers on the grid doing, you know, 58, 60 laps and you've got to try and keep an eye on every single car. And if that's the case where most cars are going off track pretty much every lap, then you've got sensors going off too much. I mean, it seems to be an issue with the Austria track, um, mainly because the cars are huge. The cars are fast. I mean, you watch F2, you watch F3, they're going nowhere near going over the line. But the fact is, is they're, they're pushing the cars to the absolute limit. And I just don't, the track isn't quite right for the size of the cars. I mean, the cars are massive and they are getting bigger. So I think the faster and the bigger they get, the more this is going to be a problem. But yeah, I do. It's a hard one because as much as you want to go, the FIA played it wrong. They handed out penalties afterwards. How else are they supposed to handle it? If you're going off the track, you're going off the track. You need to get a penalty for it. And the thing is, as well as the other drivers, we heard Lando, we heard Lewis saying a lot, oh, look, he's going over the lines. He should get penalties. Why am I getting penalties and he's not? It had to be handed out to keep it fair. So in a way, uh, I don't know how, how you play it without making the track a smidge wider, That especially around turn 10 so that they don't go off track. Well, the thing is with track limits is the reason that drivers transgress track limits is because they're taking too much speed into the corner. That's the black and white of it. So short of telling the drivers, you are going too quickly, slow down. I mean, they're not going to do that. They're Formula (laughs) One drivers. They're driving at the absolute limit of their ability all of the time. And that has in this race meant going over track limits. Now, in a in a way of kind of taking the blame off of the drivers a little tiny bit, it could just be because, like you said, Nicola, of the nature of Austria. Not only are the cars way, way too big for a circuit like this, but it's also a very different circuit in terms of the altitude, which means that there's lower drag. It means that there's lower downforce. It does make the cars harder to handle going into a braking zone. And of course, that doesn't that doesn't excuse it per se, but it does explain why a lot of drivers were struggling with brakes. Brake temperature can be an issue at a circuit like this. I mean, it's just a difficult one, full stop. Again, like I said, a circuit like this, but you don't see drivers going over the line in Monaco because they can't, they slam into a wall. So if they can do it there, I don't really understand why they can't do it here, which is why we need measures to dissuade them from going off track like a gravel trap. I'm also going to throw this out there and say Max was very far ahead in the fastest car and he didn't get a penalty. So there clearly is a way to drive on that track without going over the limits. I think it is just a a lot of drivers wanted to put their foot down and put their feet on the brakes a little bit too late. Hang on, is that host of the Red Bull F1 podcast talking? It might there, be, it might that, be, uh... yeah. I'm, I wasn't, you know, I'm not sponsored to say that, but you know, it's it's just fact. Just well, that actually, facts. I think that opens up a bigger debate: is how much is Max really pushing as well? Because those in that midfield scrap are obviously, as as you said, Antonio, drivers aren't going to slow down. They're gonna if they can get away with it, they absolutely will push it, push the limit every single time. If they go slightly on the line and not, and they don't get pinged for it, they'll go, oh, okay. All right, then. Well, next time around, I'll, I'll go a little bit further and a little bit <laughs> until I do get get reeled in. Whereas Verstappen, who can start in bloody grats and still win the race, uh, <laughs> is probably going to be not pushing as much as he has to be and going over the four white lines, uh, the four uh, the the white lines, I should say, with all four wheels. But well, with Austria, 
agreeing to be on the calendar till 2030, I think, at the uh, at the earliest now. It's going to have to be a problem they solve quickly because I think on the notice at the bottom of all the penalties that were handed out, the stewards said this is something that must be resolved and, and cannot be allowed to, to continue, basically, which is absolutely correct because if we're going to be in Austria for the next over 10 years, then uh, we're going to have to get something sorted with that. Well, that was track limits. I don't want to talk forever about it because I feel like we all hate it, really. The battle. (laughs) Let's talk about the on-track battles because take Max and that Red Bull out of it. And it was... I don't see how you can. But, I mean, you know, you do you. It was so so good. We had wheel-to-wheel racing. You had Perez, Norris, Sainz, all involved. Leclerc, you know, with with an improved performance. And let's start with that. Ferrari. Second with Leclerc first time on the podium since Baku and it, it was genuine right because the the race pace there he wasn't really troubled uh, Antonio is this the sign that well Ferrari are, are coming back into this fight and when I say fight obviously not the fight for the win but that fight for second in in the constructors at least for sure Oh, Ferrari fans, please don't hate me, but just I really don't think it is. Like I said, this is oh. not a representative oh. circuit. <laughs> you know, this we've got so many factors at play in Austria. The altitude, like I said, being the main one, and it is just not representative mm. of the rest of the season's performance. Don't get me wrong. I loved seeing Ferrari actually up there. There was such a great battle going on with, with Perez involved as well. You know, it was really nice to see the Ferraris get a little bit scrappy. We haven't seen that in so long, but this circuit is just not generalizable to the rest of the season. So yeah, it was fantastic to see Ferrari up there, but I really don't think we can get too excited about Ferrari just yet. So so do you think in that case, the because my follow-up was going to be, it looks like sort of Mercedes and Aston Martin had, had actually pretty rubbish weekends in comparison, particularly the Mercedes. So it, is that in the same vein? Do you think that's just a, a track-specific blip and they'll be back on form in Silverstone? Yeah, I would, to be honest, I would say same applies there. I mean, Aston Martin and Mercedes, I think both had very underwhelming weekends. And I think they really do both need to go back and have a look at what really went wrong because they both really got just lost in the midfield, really, this race. I mean, as as a whole weekend, even they didn't do particularly great in the sprint race either. But yeah, like I said, it's not a representative circuit. It's hugely dependent team by team on your power unit configuration. You know, there's so many little intricacies that play into doing well specifically at Austria. So yeah, it wasn't a great weekend for them, but also I don't think that that means that they're doomed for the rest of the season. Bit of light at the end of the tunnel then. Um, <laughs> can, can we please give a shout out to McLaren? Because Oh, yes. You beat me what to it. What a difference. Wow. I mean, clearly they've they just done the upgrades on Lando's car and seeing the difference between the two of them. Beatrice is right at the bottom, right at the back. And Lando's just cruising, basically fighting for... For a podium ish um and then ended up fourth which was just awesome after the penalties technically fifth ended up fourth um but seeing lando up there battling with lewis battling with checo was just brilliant so more of that and that actually i can't wait to see i can't wait to see how piastri handles it once his car has had the upgrades as well that'll be really interesting to see yeah i think we say with f1 the best way to 
gauge a driver's ability is to compare them to their teammate. So once Piastri gets these upgrades, I think there's already been a bit of discussion about Piastri, whether whether he's keeping up with Lando. It's been difficult to tell because the car hasn't really been there. But if the car is now up with them, I'm so fascinated to see how Piastri handles it. To be honest, I have a lot of faith in him as a driver. You know, famous last words. But <laughs> I, I think he could be really, really good. And I would love to see both of the McLarens up there. I mean, what a name in F1. And it would be so fantastic to have them in the championship fight. For those have who you can't... seen? Have you seen the new? Oh, the, the livery! It looks so good. The chrome yes. livery. Oh, what yeah. from the past. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, it looks it's really not, good. It's not as chrome as I would have liked it to be. You that, want full yeah. chromey, don't you? You didn't want any orange in there. Oh, sorry, papaya in there whatsoever. You just wanted full blown chrome, didn't you? Well, I mean, if you're gonna go with it, go go full beans with it. Come on, <laughs> you know. And they've the... called up Vodafone and asked them to come back as well. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure which one I prefer. Like the Vodafone chrome was classic, but I do love the papaya orange as well. They're two sort of classic kind of liveries, really. And for those who can't see, uh, Antonio, your your mic muff is very much uh, in a papaya orange. Oh, yes. It is. <laughs> oh, gosh, is that my yeah. bias showing? Sorry. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> but I think coming back to McLaren, I think we're all... I just again, I don't want to, you know take Red Bull out, blah blah blah. We, we're all, we are we're having a classic season if you take them out because the battle for the podium, you don't quite know who's going to be on it, what order it's going to be. It could be a Mercedes, it could be an Aston Martin, it could be a Ferrari now, and it well could be soon McLaren. And this is part of a big upgrade they're bringing over incrementally over the course of the next couple of races. So Piastri will then get the goods along with Norris for this weekend. But I then think Norris gets a little extra on top as well. So again, I think it's going to be actually really hard to see those two until maybe we get to sort of like a Belgium or or a, or a Hungary maybe. That's um, what I was going to say. Yeah. So we've got we've got Piastri's going to get his coming up to Silverstone, right? And yeah. then and then but then Norris is also going to get like a a little cherry on top of his. Exactly. And you're like, well, then you still can't compare the two. But he's always one layer ahead. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, fairly so. You know, Piastri's the rookie. Norris is is the is the old is the old hand now really at McLaren, but. I'm, I'm, sorry, a point I forgot to say as well about about Ferrari. We're now starting to see this development race being quite crucial. And Ferrari obviously had big changes at the start of the year, particularly with Fred Vasseur coming in as a team principal. And everyone said, you know, we're not going to see anything really of Vasseur's input until maybe about halfway through the year at the earliest. So I'm just wondering, trying to be an optimist, I know, Antonio, you've absolutely shut me down on this, but <laughs> could, could we be seeing... The, the start of Vasseur's input, you know, we would Ferrari have been close to the bone on strategy in Austria where it could have gone either way. And with Leclerc's improved performance, bringing upgrades, signs, you know, uh, talking about the tyre degradation um, in the race that's been, and their race pace has been Ferrari's biggest flaw so far. And it didn't seem to be as bad, but I'm just trying to, am I clawing, clawing am I scratching at nothing here? Or is this a beginning of a Vasseur kind of input? To be honest, I'd say the opposite. I would say the character and DNA of Ferrari hasn't changed at all or enough since he came in. You know, all you need to look at is the way that the team communicate each other with each other over the radio messages during the race. So this is public, of course, which is obviously not ideal. But Ferrari are clearly falling apart at the seams in terms of communication, which between a pit wall and a driver is arguably the most important, especially during a race. I mean, we've got both Sainz and Leclerc 
going on to their engineers being like, what are we doing? When they suggested a three stop strategy on a circuit where three stops is quite possibly the most costly strategic thing you could possibly do. And you can hear them on the on the radio going, no, why? What is wrong with you? There's no breakdown in communication. There's no trust between the team. I think a really great comparison point would be at Mercedes with with um Lewis Hamilton you hear him on the radio go oh guys I don't agree with that strategy and then they come back to him and they say boom 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 this is why we've gone with this you can trust us and he and then he gets his head down and he gets on with it with Ferrari the complete opposite happens the drivers seem to have absolutely no faith in the ability of their own team which is one of the most important things if the drivers don't believe they can win who will I mean that's that that's definitely off the back of last year they made so many so many strategy decisions that just completely destroyed their races that it's it's they're crying wolf now aren't they that they get to the point where they go no trust us no it's fine and they're going well we trusted you before it's now not going to work so I even think with Fred Vasseur coming in I don't yeah I still don't know if if the trust is there yet mm. with Ferrari but can I also just throw out there not because I'm uh, contracted with Red Bull but Max managed to three stop <laughs> <laughs> but even that he had to fight for that final stop though didn't he <laughs> that is a fair but point to be fair, I do think that last stop shows the contrast between Red Bull and Ferrari because Red Bull the amount of trust Max has in his team to pull off something like that, he had everything at stake. It was lap 69 out of 71. And he knew that his team could not only do that pit stop seamlessly, but then he could carry that through to the end of the race with the fastest lap. That is the absolute epitome of trusting in not only your own ability, but every single member of your team. I think that just completely showed up Ferrari. Mm, no, I think it's hard to disagree with that one. Max Verstappen again proving how ominous and how beautifully he's driving really on a completely another level to every other driver. I think Fernando Alonso was even speaking to CNN over the weekend and saying he was asked who was the best driver in the field. Was it Alonso? Was it you, Fernando? Was it is it Lewis or is it Max? And even he said, well, obviously, I want to say myself, but you look at Max and he is on another level. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life we're faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. If you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com WTF1 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot WTF1. The thought of going behind the scenes in an F1 factory is the stuff of dreams for most F1 fans, but now you can make that dream a reality thanks to our friends at Get Your Guide. With Get Your Guide, you can embark on an exclusive tour of the epic McLaren Technology Center, home to one of the most iconic names in Formula One. You'll enjoy unprecedented access to the factory, see authentic racing memorabilia and the kit worn by the team, and learn about groundbreaking innovations from McLaren's 60-year history. But that's not all, oh no. You'll also get up close and personal 
original of iconic Formula One cars driven by racing legends like Ayrton Senna, Lewis Hamilton and Mika Hakkinen, and visit the top secret assembly line where the latest cars driven by Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri are created. A get your guide tour of the McLaren Technology Center is a truly unforgettable experience for any F1 fan. For more information about booking your tour, click the link in the description. And there's been lots of questions about oh, how much is it max? How much is it the car? So then all attention turns to Sergio Perez in the second Red Bull. Now, he fluffed it up in qualifying, track limits, like many, but he didn't get it in in time. And he was suffering with illness this weekend, wasn't he, Nicola? So it was actually quite a crucial weekend for him to get back onto the podium, which I think is something he really needed. How crucial has this weekend been for Sergio? This has been a, this has been a really big weekend for him. I mean, even when it came down to qualifying, just... <laughs> ending up in in Q3 or whatever it was for the last what was it five races just can't just can't get through and can't get through the rounds and he needed this for him not just for the team but he needed this for him even when he's not feeling his best to be able to go out there and even just race absolutely brilliantly and manage to get on the podium I feel like he's going to approach Silverstone with a completely different head now knowing that he can do it I feel like he's going to end he's going to end up in uh in probably the first couple of rows for qualifying over in Silverstone. And I, I think he's going to end up on the podium again because I feel like confidence is key. And he definitely got knocked back several times. So this was this was a big weekend for him. I'm very proud, very proud of him. He's a good boy. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. I think his recovery drive was phenomenal. It was it was great. And he did what exactly what he needed to do. But the question I pose is, if Perez were, in theory, underperforming, who on earth would Red Bull choose to replace him? Because it's not that they don't have a plethora of young drivers who are talented enough for the spot. It's just, do you want someone who is going to support Max Verstappen in pursuing the world titles, guaranteeing a constructor's championship? Or do you want someone who's going to cause Armageddon, take Max out constantly, and you'll have a championship battle at the neck every weekend we don't want Rosberg versus Hamilton all over again they want someone who is a reliable driver who can put the results in who can support Max who can give him the toes in qualifying who can fight off the people behind him to make sure that they don't even have the chance to get up into second place to threaten Verstappen's lead Perez in in my opinion is the absolute perfect driver for that he's had a really bad couple of last races I completely agree but I think he's done more than enough to prove that as a teammate, not as a world champion, as a teammate, he is exactly what Red Bull are looking for. And I just don't see why they would think about replacing him. I think his seat's perfectly safe, but a great weekend for him. He did need it. Mm, as much it as I a, hate It is a tricky to... one, isn't it? But he, he is, yeah, you're right. He is absolutely the, the perfect teammate. But it would be nice to have someone up there battling one-twos all the time for Red Bull. I mean, uh, as it stands, Max is winning the Constructors' Championship on his own without even Checo being part of the team. So if Red Bull can can get someone that can, I don't know, that can be in P2, which Checo is capable of doing. So I do think for the rest of the season, he will be up there and he will be driving really well after that lack of confidence and that, you know, just those terrible sort of few sections of races. You can get a one-two all the time. It's totally possible. And that will be exciting for Red Bull. And to be able to get more and more points and to break records would be amazing for them. So I think just choosing a, a good teammate isn't quite enough. Having someone that's up there being in P2 alongside Max or, or fighting for P1 is, is, is never a bad thing, having two awesome drivers. 
It's such a shame though, isn't it? Because as much as I agree with you, Perez is the, is the perfect number two, I think. But for, for the Liam Lawsons, for the Yuki Sonodas, for the Ayumu Uwasas, for the Jack Crawfords who are all coming up through F2 and, and Super Formulas and on the fringes, if they do get signed up to Red Bull at some stage and Verstappen is still very much in the prime of his career, you're basically signing up for, for, for a career as, as second best. You're never going to get that opportunity. So it's almost like, well, what do I want as a driver? Do I want to sign up for this, get great money, be in a top car, occasionally battle for the win just in case something ever happens to Verstappen? Or do I risk it and go and get a midfield team and, and constantly be around P8 to P15 and never get my shot or go, you know, get lucky with a rival and, and you know, almost do a bit like a Carlos Sainz and jump ship to ship to ship and then find yourself in Ferrari where you're still kind of having to battle, but it's a bit more of an even playing field. That as a, as a, as a fan of sport and entertainment, that, that upsets me because I think I like the Hamilton Rosberg scenario but i also get the fact that from a team perspective they don't want to have to deal with that no that's the thing everyone loves a hamilton rosberg it was phenomenal them being at each other's necks is awesome the issue is red bull would just never let it happen to them they <laughs> would they never will. risk it i so, think they will i don't think they, they would won't ever like weber was the last Chris. time they had any kind of like sort of you know big disruption right and and that didn't go down well I just don't think that they would ever put themselves in a position where I think it would always, always be racing, you know, if you're neck and neck, team orders, let Verstappen have this one. Or they would always enforce team orders in some way, even if it were in the other driver's favour. I just don't think they would ever be even close to a position of, oh gosh, they're going to take each other out. I just don't think they would let it happen because they know that there's too much at stake. Don't get me wrong, as a racing fan, I'd love it. But if I were Liam Lawson, I would seriously think, do I want my career to be destroyed by comparison because I will never be as good as Verstappen? Do, or do I do I move and actually have a chance with another team at them throwing everything into me and I can challenge him from a different team head on? It, it depends on... Uh, from a driver perspective, how you want to look at it. Do you want to be in the fastest car driving alongside the world champion who you're going to end up probably in your BNP2 battling for P1 with a team throwing everything at you? Or do you want to be the best person in a lower down team? Which, which, I mean, it's a no-brainer. You want to drive for the best team. You want to drive in the fastest car. You just do. If you've got the opportunity to fight for a win, you will go for that option. You can't, I mean, Checo's had, you know, wins under his belt. He has. And that's because he's done some really awesome racing. And Red Bull know that. And Red Bull haven't stopped celebrating his wins. But Max at the moment technically still is the better driver, which is why he's doing better. But they're not, they're no, they're not stopping Checo from winning. That's not how it's standing at the moment. I mean, Max has basically won the world championship already. Um, but if but if Checo was up there as well, I'm sure they'd be fully supporting him. It's just a, a matter of how he's driving the car. Yeah, they're also in two very different parts of their career, right? Perez, mm. you know, was looking at, at, at leaving Formula One just a couple of years ago. And now they have, you know, one guy who's in the, the twilight years and the other guy who's very much in the prime. So that probably helps things as well um but speaking of Perez David has said on Twitter how did Lando get driver of the day and not Sergio Perez was that a bit of a point of contention I don't know it was a good it was a good drive back from Perez but come on Lando Norris in, a, in that upgrade of McLaren I think everybody was happy to see that yeah 
Yeah, I, it's hard not to like him, isn't it? It's, he's a very likable <laughs> young driver who's got a bright future ahead of him and in the right car could be a world champion. It's great. And But then Perez did do the best recovery drive I've seen in recent races. and But he shouldn't have had to have the recovery drive. Well, that and the fact he's in a rocket ship does make make it harder it's like saying oh congratulations 2020 lewis hamilton you beat the williams of 2020 you know it's like saying well yeah as you should you know <laughs> like perez should have had the recovery drive that yeah. he had because a he needed to and b he's in a faster car than the rest of the grid i think the reason he didn't get driver of the day partly because it's a popularity contest people I'm are bored of having red bull win all the time Sorry if that's controversial, but you know, it, it was great to see Lando up there. So he got driver of the day, A, because people love to see the underdog do well. And two, because it, yeah, Lando's performance compared to the Red Bull performance. If you look at where they should be on the grid, it, it plan, it pans out there. If that makes sense. No, I, I think you're absolutely spot on there. Um, also though, uh, acid frog, what a name on Twitter has said, uh, <laughs> I don't know what sure. the hell that is. Uh, <laughs> I feel like many drivers were more daring in the race than before, with drivers quite often being side by side and such. Why would that be the case around Austria? Is it because it is that shorter track? It's you know, when things are a shorter track, it's a bit more of an even playing field. You know, look at Monaco, for instance. Red Bull aren't able to extend that advantage they have so much over a long lap. It's 10 turns in Austria, but really it's more like seven in terms of being flat out. But I don't know. I just think we're enjoying some good racing in that midfield. Yeah. So I actually have a bit of a controversial opinion about this circuit, which is I think DRS kind of ruined it. Um, I think given the natural conditions with there being lower downforce and lower drag, I think we didn't really need drag reduction system on a circuit like this. Because I think if, if anything, it made the gaps bigger when they didn't need to be. They were already quite small and they were all fighting quite tight together which was really fun and it was really exciting in the sprint race for example we had some really really great laps a fantastic wheel to wheel throughout the race and then drs came in and these massive gaps started to form so i think again i've mentioned altitude a million times i do think that came into it i think that played into the close racing but i think it was i think it was really great it was really exciting there's lower drag means that teams can really fly off on the straights but also downforce doesn't play as much of a an elements so you can run a really high downforce wing whilst also flying down the straights and that meant that these teams could absolutely battle it out which was fantastic i really i really enjoyed that element of the race actually i think it also feels like as it stands as much as as red bull are number one at the moment it feels like there's a lot more to fight for mid table at the moment so a lot of teams are coming in with their upgrades now we're also what two, two races away from from silly season so drivers are proving themselves as well and kind of going you want to keep me because i'm kind of really good and uh it's drivers now just going full beans because they can and because their cars have now been upgraded and because there's now points to have and it's a whole mixed bag of teams in the middle of that table and it's just making things way more exciting if this was a standard red bull mercedes ferrari situation i don't think it would be as exciting but because it's red bull at the top and everyone else is battling each other with aston martin and mclaren now in on the mix it's now just made it a bit more exciting and chaotic which we love 
We do indeed. Um, all right, then. Well, thank you for your questions. Uh, now it's time for our WTF1 podium. So, everybody, hope you're ready and prepared. I want your star performer, your worst performer, and your biggest surprise performer of the Grand Prix. Who's feeling bold? Who wants to go first with their star performer? I'll go first in case mine's stolen. Oh, <laughs> I want to get in there. Tactical. Go on then. So, star performer, I'm going to go for McLaren, not just because those upgrades were fantastic, but they've also given us a really pretty car to look at next week. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely yeah, very done. Very happy with that one. Okay, Nicola? Yeah, I was, I was going to say Lando. Lando was going to start before. <laughs> yeah, sure you were. Yeah, it yeah, was just, yeah. It was just, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not, I mean, Max is always a star performer and Checo was fabulous, but it was really, it was really exciting to see Lando up there at the top. And I, I do think it was, it was really nice to see him in the interviews afterwards, just with a massive beaming smile on his face, just living his best life. So yes, more of that, please. Yeah, it was definitely a, a star performance worthy drive, but I'm actually going for Verstappen for mine because I think we have to appreciate what he's doing because it seems that he, he's doing more than what maybe Hamilton did. I don't know. That could be a bit of a controversial topic, but it just seems like he is he is just... The, the only th- way I think we can see what Verstappen is really made of is if for, for a few races, we stick him in an Alpha Tauri and see how he does. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way we'll know truly what the hell is going on with him. Um, Okay, worst performer, please. I'm going to go first this time. And I'm going to go for, well, I've gone for sort of race control slash FIA. Uh, (laughs) Whoever had the final say on track limits, that's my worst performer. We'll go back in the opposite order. So Nicola, you go next. I was going to go for Esteban Ocon. (laughs) Oh, no. For obvious reasons. I mean, look... (laughs) I, I listened to his team radio as he crossed the line and his, his uh, engineers t- told him that, oh, great job. You were the only one not to get any track limits violations. Oh, no. <laughs> Talk about things aging extra, badly. Was it 30 seconds? And, oh. The old leg got like four penalties on top. Jesus. I know. Like he really, like he gave it 100% going over, going over those <laughs> limits. Go hard or go home. Do you know what I mean? I've seen yeah. so many funny memes of like his view of the track being completely different to everyone's. He was doing his own race. <laughs> He was in a league of his own. He really was. He was just oh. doing the perfect circle. That's all he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I've got, yeah, race qualifier. You've got Ocon. Antonia, who are we going for? Um, I would say, I, I, I'm i going to throw it out a little bit. I'm going to do Aston Martin. Okay. Ooh. I think given that Mercedes weren't really anywhere in the race, they could have done a lot more to maximize the result, especially given how they performed in the sprint. I think Fernando Alonso mm. especially showed some real pace in the sprint and that didn't really materialize in the main race. Um, now that might be just due to the engine mode that they'd selected for the weekend, worked well for the sprint, didn't work as well for the main race because obviously over the weekend, you can't change how you've set up your engine. But given that Mercedes didn't do very well, they really had the opportunity to maximize a result um, yesterday. Yeah. Well, they, well, well technically they did, you know, get themselves a few extra points by lodging, <laughs> lodging the protest, <laughs> get Alonso up a couple of places and they got, uh, they got Gasly, didn't they? So uh, yeah, the uh, best complainer award goes to, goes to Aston Martin for always knowing exactly when to protest. Yeah, yeah, that add that as good. a category. That's what you need to add yeah, that to the podium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Norris and Hamilton were pretty, pretty yeah, complaining on the radio oh, as well, God, weren't God. they? <laughs> <laughs> That's got quite a few contenders for it. Uh, okay, right. Um, biggest surprise performer of the Grand Prix, Antonia, back to you. Ah, Ferrari. Oh, okay. I I think because I just wasn't expecting them to actually Mm. be able to have a decent race, especially, you know, they had a decent sprint race as well. This whole weekend, they were actually 
all right. And like I said, I really don't want to impart false hope, but they did a pretty good job and I wasn't expecting it. And we always like to see that. So good job, Ferrari. Nicola? Oh, is it me? Yeah, um, it's you. Uh, Pick, have you picked surprise. up on the sequence that we're doing here? <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, surprise for me goes to Checo. And the reason is, is after his last few races and he hasn't been quite feeling himself and especially after qualifying, I wasn't expecting that during the race. So pleasantly surprised by Checo and over the moon for him. That's why. Lovely. Well, I would go. Uh, my biggest surprise is Norris because I, we, I think we all thought the upgrades would be good, but I think I think they they were over overachieved actually. Um, to go from you know dwindling around at the back to suddenly P four, I think that's pretty impressive. So well done, Lando Norris, and well done, McLaren. Um, but as I said right at the start, it is pretty sort of in the thick of it for Formula One right now. We're going race to race to race and we're straight into the British Grand Prix. Now we know uh, we have a global audience, but very much this is our home race. Uh, We're all going to be there, which is very exciting. If you're going to be at the WTF1 Clubhouse, do let us know. Come and say hello. We're all going to be sort of milling around. Um, Are we looking forward to the British Grand Prix, Antonia? Because actually it was a an amazing race last year. Particularly, we had the massive shunt with with Joe uh, going over the wall and, and Albon as well. But it was the scene, I think people forget, of Carlos Sainz's first win. And we talk about Ferrari actually being quite thickly signed, you know, having a go at uh, his engineers and not not doing what is told. And he did that last year, and that's what won in the race. Oh, I love Silverstone so much. It was my first Formula One race that I ever went to see. And, oh, I just thought it's going to be so good. I can't wait. Like, I don't, I think with F1 what makes it is the atmosphere and being there as a fan there's literally a video of me on I think the Silverstone's like official social media me with my union jack going yeah you know red in the face <laughs> wetting like I was absolutely going how I think Lewis had just come around the corner and I was like you know really ladylike we'll that up classy as always but you know it's the best race on the calendar it's I think it's got it's the oldest race in F1. Like it's been here the longest. It's got so much heritage. It's just oh, special place in everyone's heart. It's going to be such a good Grand Prix. I actually, I'm, I cannot wait. I'm packing my bag tonight. I just want to go. Oh, I can't wait, N- Nicola. We're going to be doing the radioing, aren't we? Yeah, we're we're yeah, we're doing the um, we're in the fan zone, aren't we? Do I mean I still don't really technically know what I'm doing, but I was told I'm doing some stuff at the fan zone, so that'll be nice. Weather, so say hi. weather <laughs> could be a bit wet on Sunday. Oh, no. Could be. We're having a bit of a, a sequence of uh, of sort of possible rain. I think it's it's not going to be as clear cut and dry. I think Thursday, Friday's fine, but I think Saturday and Sunday could be looking a little bit cloudy. Chance of rain. Hey Siri, what's the weather like <laughs> at Silverstone this weekend? Hey Siri. Well, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> you could have you could you could have pressed the buttons, but. <laughs> <sighs> Well, I've, I've just told you what it is. Silverstone doesn't need, uh, Siri doesn't need that. Um, when, I asked, when I asked earlier, it said Saturday rain. Silverstone weather. Uh, I've got Sunday. Sunday, scattered showers. Saturday, thunder shower. Ooh. Friday, mostly sunny. Thursday, mostly cloudy. So right. bring, if you're coming, bring an umbrella, bring a pack Packy of mats. Yeah. yeah. 
bring I'm really looking poncho. forward to it. I love I love Silverstone and being there is awesome. I think as well, if if you can be there, the the experience at, at some races in particular is just above others, and I think the British Grand Prix is one of those too. So if you ever get the chance, do make sure you you come along um, to Silverstone. Can't wait. Do we have a who's going to be? No, we don't do a podium prediction. We do a we do a bold prediction rather than than a win. So Antonia, one bold prediction for the weekend could be anything. <sighs> Double Ferrari DNF. Oh, no point. I just, so I think we're back to the so called representative circuits next weekend, you know, back to reality. So uh, we'll see. We will see. But yeah, I think we're going going wrong. We're going to have to get you back on when they have a one, two and and win and (laughs) the upgrades have worked. And I really want to be wrong. I want to make this so clear. I really, I really want to be wrong. We are hardest on the things we love the most. And Ferrari, <laughs> oof, bro, please stop hanging me. Oh, Nick, <laughs> Nick, what do you think? Uh, Lando on the podium for me. Ooh, it would oh, be I'd an incredible moment. For yeah. him to do it at, at Silverstone would be incredible and it's totally possible. Yeah. So yeah, Lando on the podium. Fair. I'm going to go for, I think it's bold, signs P2 because he is at the moment the highest driver in the, in the driver standings that has yet to score a podium. He has been incredibly oh, yeah. consistent, but he has yeah. not been on the podium this year. He's ahead of his teammate Leclerc in the in the standings. Well, that speaks to oh, his no, I'm sure he has. Has he not? No, he hasn't. He hasn't because that's the stat I wheel out every time. So <laughs> I definitely have it in my head that he's been on the podium this season. I can in my categorically head he's had at least one you, like P2. No, I yeah. can categorically uh-uh. tell you as I double check very, very quickly yeah, uh, <laughs> that he yeah, has sure not he has. been on the podium. His best result has been fourth place at the start of the year. No. That's his best result, P4? Yeah. yeah, his worst result is 12th in Australia. But remember, he had the penalty for clouting into Alonso. Oh, so that would have been uh. another point. Apart from that, though, so he has got eight. He is ten points ahead of Leclerc, who has had two podiums. Yeah, <laughs> so, and that speaks to Leclerc's inconsistency. Well, exactly. Yeah. So, so technically, the the status science has had uh, is the highest driver in the in the driver standings, five uh, fifth place behind Hamilton uh, and in front of Leclerc without a podium yet. So, I think he is finally going to get that podium this weekend that's my bold prediction anyway um so we shall see let us know your bold predictions uh, wherever you're listening to this or watching this from uh, don't forget uh, to like and subscribe and all of that jazz uh, wtf1 will keep you abreast of everything across the british grand prix weekend uh, my thanks to antonia rankin to nicola hume uh, hot takes wednesday is uh, also coming out on the wtf1 network on shock wednesday so stay tuned for that one uh, but in the meantime we shall see you next week uh, and uh, um, well, yeah, I'm I'm a bit rubbish at ending these at the moment. So thanks. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah.